What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of A Little More Good. We're very glad to have you join us for the show. As always, I'm Dean. I'm Zach. Yes, it is good to be back together doing a little recordy recordy and uh we're excited for this episode this is a this is a one that we've kind of been looking forward to and you know zach and i, I mean, we've both been kind of nerding out and diving deep on all things water lately yes and kind of you got us into it zach yeah uh, thanks to our 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 friend darren olean uh just kind of went down the rabbit hole as he asked and uh, shared his water practices and kind of asked curious questions about how water can impact our lives and our, our connection with water. So it it got me to go down my own well of water <laughs> and in doing so discovered Isabel Friend. Um, and I'm going to go out on a limb and say, I think this is the most mind-blowing, possibly life-changing episode that we've that we've recorded. Because it's all stuff that I was not considering six months ago. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think um, in our own conversation, like we've talked about how by just exploring water, which seems like a crazy sentence when we live in a world and especially us here in like Vancouver, like it's a part of the world that is like saturated with water. We get a lot of rain, you know, we are literally in like a, you know, kind of a watershed environment. There's different watersheds around in different communities. There's springs, there's rivers and oceans. Like we kind of have access all the time and maybe you know, in the middle of rainy January, February, it's like no more water from the sky. Yes. But it is this, uh, it's this thing that we have surrounded. It's in our lives in abundance from showering to bathing, to drinking, to all of that stuff. And like when you start to pay attention to it and ask questions about it and learn a little bit more about it beyond solid liquid gas, drink it when you're thirsty. Yes. It's part of our eight, eight cups a day. Yeah. Like when we started to kind of really dive into it, it opened us up not only to the, what is unique and fascinating and really life-changing about water, but it helped us see a lot of things in different ways that we would have been like maybe, you know, written off before as like, oh, that's just like nonsense or or I don't agree with that person's philosophy So on, on one thing, so why would I listen to them on anything? And it just kind of cracked us open to be like, well, we don't have to agree on everything, but everyone <coughs> and everything can teach us something about ourselves, about our connection to the planet, whatever. Absolutely. And we are, our bodies are, are made of water. We are 70% water by volume and molecularly we are 99.95 water molecules, our very own bodies. So it makes sense knowing that we are 99.95% water. We should learn a little bit about that. You know, that should uh, be kind of a catalyst to be curious and, and discover like, what is this water beyond as you kind of mentioned the water that comes out of our tap yeah how does it play a role in our bodies in the ecosystems um energetically it's kind of an invitation to to dive deep and and see where that that takes you yeah and i would have even been you know in in the past i would have been someone who kind of like laughed at the idea of like you know oh it's a full moon like people you know it has this effect on people or whatever there's kind of like that that caricature of like a full moon and it makes people do like or act in crazy ways yes but then like understanding that the moon controls the tides and i 
wholly accept that. Like that's science. That's true. We know that the moon has an effect on the tides and that's what causes the tides to rise and fall. And like living in a coastal area, you literally see it and see the dramatic effect of it every day, sometimes twice a day. And then recognizing like, oh man, well, like the moon is the moon and water is water. And if we're like 99.9% water, perhaps the moon has an effect on us because of the water within us. And all of these little things where it's like, again, it kind of opened up my curiosity to be more uh, willing to uh, hold ideas that before I thought were like, nah, that's not true. That can't be true. And uh, so anyway, yeah, it's just cool. It's cool how this, this, new learning has sparked our curiosity and allowed us to grow in ways that we we didn't anticipate yes so isabel um she's an ambassador for for water she she leads these amazing retreats she's an amazing educator she's been educating for 10 plus years on water Um, and she's got incredible courses and a really cool shop Uh, water is life um the water is life shop so so hit that up we have a 10 percent coupon code that uh, Isabel has generously shared with the promo code a little more good so uh, it's kind of a candy shop of sorts of all sorts of water trinkets filters energizers structures you know the whole gambit of everything you could possibly imagine for water she's, yeah. she's got it and beyond and beyond so EMF beautifully curated yeah. EMFs, yeah, all sorts of quantum energy stuff. So be sure to to check that out. She also has the daily drip where she kind of shares her musings and wonderings and teachings um, on water. Um, so give her a follow on Instagram. Um, she's Isabel Friend. Um, if you look up, sorry, Jen Isabel Friend on Instagram and Water is Life Shop. Uh, you will find all of the amazing things that uh, she shares on a regular basis. Yeah, her water memes are are top notch. So good. Yes. So we'll, we'll link her. We'll link her profiles in the in the show notes. So click on those there. Yeah. And you can you can go be taken direct. But if you're a Googler, Google away. Jan yes. Isabel friend, you'll find her. So we are what we eat, and even more so, we are what we drink. Yeah. Yeah. So this one, in many ways, like mind blowing. There's segments of this that you might want to like re listen to over and over again or kind of break up. But just some of the fascinating takeaways uh, is the way that water impacts us, the way that frequency impacts water, the, the different studies. Um, Isabel was, it was an incredible resource. She would just like think and be able to reflect on a quick study and rattle it off uh, kind of like in an encyclopedia kind of way. And it was incredible, her memory for uh, all things water. And in fact, we did talk about water itself having memory. So there we go. There's lots to dive into there we go. literally di- and di- figuratively. Dive in. I think this will be part one of yes. many more conversations with Isabel. And we've got more water conversations coming out soon. So if this whets your appetite uh, for all things water, <laughs> fear not, we have more to come. Yeah. Uh, before uh, this episode rolls, a, a word from this week's sponsor. Yes. This week's podcast is brought to you by Athletic Greens. Zach and I have been loving using Athletic Greens, specifically the AG1 product. It is an amazing daily uh, ritual. It's the morning ritual fill up uh, fill up the bottle of water dump in the scoop of ag1 give it a shake and down it and you know 
in light of this episode, definitely using the coherent structured water. And when I'm adding my AG1 to that, I just feel like not only am I getting all of those amazing benefits, 75 high quality ingredients, vitamins, minerals, uh, probiotics, you name it. It's so good. It's so easy for us to do. One scoop in the water, shake it, drink it, and you know you've done an amazing thing for your health right out of the gate, first thing in the morning. There we go. Love ourselves. Love ourselves a little more with AG1 from Athletic Greens. Um, I didn't know, I didn't think I could potentially even upgrade my AG1, but um, I started adding it to my smoothies, and that just adds a whole new dimension to it. So tasty. Adding in some banana or some nut butter, just kind of... uh, makes that smoothie all the more nutritious. So it's kind of, you know, I used to add in the whole kitchen kitchen cupboard of supplements, and now I can just take one scoop of AG1 and know that I'm, I'm covering all the things that uh, my body loves and needs and, and smiles from the inside out. So yeah, AG1 by Athletic Greens, I'm hooked. Um, we hope that you guys love it as much as we do. Uh, if you're exploring Athletic Greens, uh, website, go to athleticgreens.com slash more good, and you will get hooked up with a year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs. Again, that is athleticgreens.com slash more good to add a little more goodness to your day. All right, let's let this episode roll. All right, all right. Welcome back to a little more good. Uh, we're sitting uh, here across the, the continent, really, uh, with our, our new friend, Isabel Friend. Uh, coming coming at you from Tulum, Mexico. Thank you for joining us, Isabel. Thanks so much for having me with you. I'm happy to be here. We're so excited for this conversation. Uh, as we, we mentioned pre-pod, Dean and I have been obsessed with water recently. Uh, we got into it through um, just listening to Darren Olin, and he mm-hmm. talks a lot about vortexing water and structuring water and adding his minerals and stuff like that. And, you know, we were so interested in all of the other things that he was sharing. So we thought, why not water? And the more we got into it, the more mind-blowing this thing that we have every single day for our whole lives, it just became so expansive and so fascinating um, that water's kind of become this this spiritual journey, this wellness journey, just kind of this gateway to a new way of, of living and seeing the world. So, um, Mm -hmm. Isabel, you're such a ambassador for, for this lifestyle, this champion of water. So we're so excited to, to connect and to learn from you. And I think I'm going to, I'm going to, no pressure here, but I think this is going to be one of the most (laughs) mind blowing episodes we record for, for our listeners. (laughs) No pressure. (laughs) No, I hope it is. I hope your listeners get a lot out of it. It's a funny thing because we grow up, like, you know that you need to drink water to to survive. You know, there's that, you equate water with life from, you know, the time you're born to the time you die. But we, mm-hmm. speaking for myself, I didn't have that reverence for, for water, for something that really is life. I just took it for granted. You know, I had the tap water tried to have eight cups a day and make sure my pee wasn't too yellow, you know, and, and that was my hydration uh, practice. So um, just as a segue into this conversation, before we go deep into this well, can you kind of share your origins, uh, your journey into water, how, how water found you and 
where that kind of that led? Sure. Yeah, I first started um, diving into water wisdom back in 2009. And at the time I was living in Brooklyn and I was a nutritionist and I was studying specifically nutrigenomics or how eating wild food actually helps to rewild our genetic potential. And that the more we eat domesticated hybridized food, we actually, that really affects our gene expression. Um and that's when I started to realize, wait a second, I'm, I'm foraging and wildcrafting for all this food, but I'm still drinking highly processed, industrial, domesticated water. That's what most tap water, filtered water, reverse osmosis, distilled water, bottled water, all of that is, is highly domesticated. So I started foraging for wild water and I started wildcrafting from springs out in nature. And that completely shifted my mind, body, and emotions on very subtle but absolutely profound levels and that's kind of when I started uh, discovering the work of Victor Schauberger who was a, they call him the water wizard he was a naturalist from back in the late 1800s and early 1900s and his understanding of water could be likened to Tesla's elect, uh, understanding of electricity or or even beyond that I mean he honestly is my hero of all time and I started going down that rabbit hole and that's when I fell in love that's when I was hooked that's when I started to realize wow water as the very body of life itself as the glove on the hand of consciousness, as it's called, or or the skin on God's hand, as many of the ancients have described it, actually, because it is life, has the answers to all of life's toughest questions, whether we're talking about medicine and biology and health, or we're talking about um, ecology and agriculture um, and climate, or whether we're talking about um, our, our psychology and our emotions, or even deeply religious and spiritual questions. You know, throughout the ages, our ancestors have always turned to water for its wisdom. And so I started doing that. And it just, it spiraled out into this massive lifelong obsession. So that's kind of how it got started. Yeah. It's good. It's good to know that uh, in many ways, like we're just scratching the surface of of mm -hmm. understanding what water is. And, you know, like like Zach had said earlier, it's something that we all grow up with and we just take it for granted. It comes out of the tap. It falls from the sky. It's there when we go to the beach. Like and yet there is so much more than just like hydrating, cleaning the things that we kind of just like take for granted is like the maybe mm -hmm. like initial or superficial uses of water but then starting to learn more and more uh, of, of all of the intricacies that it holds. Um, mm -hmm. Absolutely. Well, you know, our relationship with water is so much different than it would have been for any of our ancestors because indoor plumbing is a relatively recent phenomenon. So normally there's actually a pilgrimage that happens where human beings actually go to the birthplace of water. You know, maybe you go to a river, but, but um you know, typically, preferentially, our ancestors always would have ventured to a spring, which is the, a very, very sacred place. There are, you know, um, there are, um, what, what's the word I'm looking for? Archaeological um, evidence dating back to the Bronze Age, showing that springs were very sacred and holy places for people to make a pilgrimage to. So normally, just the process of going to retrieve water is a pilgrimage where you go to a holy place, and then you carry it back. And because you carry it, you understand the value of every single drop. And in addition, 
because most of the water that we come into contact with is dormant and devitalized, we don't have that visceral experience of what it feels like to drink living water and to make our blood from the blood of mother earth. And so we assume that it's a kind of a mundane thing because it has become kind of a mundane thing. And one thing about water, because it is the primordial mirror that is always reflecting our treatment of it back to ourselves is that when we treat water as something common and mundane, it, it, loses all of those magical capacities, you know, and it really becomes something um, kind of common and mundane that no longer has the healing and therapeutic capacities. Whereas in nature, you know, water is nature's primary medicine. Water is nature's first fundamental method of healing for any form of life. All life is water-based. Every seed, every embryo without exception starts its life in water. And, um, yeah, you know, our ancestors also didn't have the uh, convenience or, or I don't know, the illusion, <laughs> maybe that there are so many other ways to satisfy my thirst. Like nowadays, we have sodas, and we have juices, and we have coffee, and we have all of these things that didn't exist, you know, for the most part. Um, and so we can kind of trick our brains into thinking we're hydrating, even if we're drinking something that is actively os osmotically dehydrating ourselves. For our ancestors, they knew that this is a substance of life other than urine and breast milk. What other liquid are you going to run into in the wild? Right. It's water. It's always water. And we just, it's easy for us to overlook that in, in our modern era. Yeah. That was one of the um, doorways that water kind of opened in, in our curiosity for this, just looking at ancient wisdom, ancestral wisdom, indigenous wisdom, you know, water is is source and it's has reverence in all of these cultures and 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 throughout history, and um, you know whether it's baptisms and and you know Christian faith or are the the Ganges in in India is seen as the mother, um, or even <clears throat> we were reading some of the indigenous communities here in Canada when they were planting seeds they would coat it in their own saliva to give that kind mm -hmm. of structured. Um, their own, you know, fourth phase structured water that we'll get into. Um, they would they would coat the seeds in their own saliva before planting it in the earth. So there's this mm -hmm. reverence um, for water that we've we've kind of lost. Um, and I've I've heard you kind of quote before uh, that water is not a resource; it is the source. Um, can you kind of? That's actually a quote from Veda Austin. From Veda Austin, <laughs> just yes. to give props where props are due. Yes, yeah. thank you for for that, and I love her work too. All of the amazing mm -hmm. imagery that she shares, uh, you know, it just goes down that bucket list of amazing, mind blowing things that water has capacity to do. Um, can you talk about water as source? Um, like, I want to get into kind of the the age of dehydration and the structure, but. Just like on a on a spiritual aspect, on a spiritual lens, like how is water hydration a spiritual practice for yourself? Mm. Okay, I feel like there's kind of two questions to unpack there: water as source, and then the practices around honoring water as source. And it's been really a beautiful um, and eye-opening practice for me over the years to look at creation stories from various um, traditions and indigenous creation stories throughout the ages. And I have yet to find a single creation story from any indigenous culture that doesn't 
credit water as being the original source. Now, whether the water went by the name of of this water god or that water god, you know, there are many different forms of this story. They all tend to take basically the same um, one of one of two themes. All of the ancient indigenous stories either say that creation is the result of salt water and fresh water coming together or of water and light coming together. And, you know, we can, of course, see this in the in in religious creation stories as well, you know, in, in the Bible, for example, what the Christians thought most important to say first before anything else, the very first lines of Genesis in the beginning. God moved over the face of the waters. So before there was light, before there was sound, before there was consciousness, before there was anything else, there was God and water together. And and from the movement of God in the water, then everything else came to be. And I love that it says God moved over the face of the waters. Because what happens when you look into the face of water, you see your own reflection. It's a mirror. And to look into someone's face, you're clearly understanding this is a sentient being, right? So you have these, these sentient entities right there at the moment of creation. And again, there are very similar stories all, all throughout um, all throughout um, religious literature and scripture and mystic teachings and mystery schools. Um, but even in you know the modern scientific creation myth, it says, in the beginning, before there was Pangaea, which we know of as being the first landmass, before that, actually the entire earth was a giant super ocean called Panthalassa. And there was no land yet. And then eventually from these waters, this oceanic planet that, that our planet began as, this blue marble, Eventually, then the air was created and oxygen and the atmosphere came into being. Eventually, the land was created and land rose up from this this primordial ocean. So then, you know, eventually from the primordial soup of this incredibly concentrated broth of life, then the first single-celled organisms came into being, and then, of course, life developed from there. That's if you believe the, the scientific creation myth of things, but it really doesn't matter what creation story you're looking at. It all comes back to water. In fact, um, I was reading some studies in cosmology recently that were saying that, and I I don't believe in uh, in the, the Big Bang Theory for reasons that we can get into that are water-related, if you want to go down that rabbit hole, but it's kind of tangential for now. But I'll just say that um, there's one study that I was uh, reading said that um, there was evidence that the very, very first thing in creation, starting from the Big Bang, was superfluid in nature. And actually, if you look on a macrocosmic scale, cosmologists measure and, and physicists um, measure everything in terms of it being a superfluid. And you, if you look down just on the teeny, teeny, tiniest subatomic scale as well, everything is measured in terms of being superfluid in nature. So not only is everything, does everything arise from nature or from water, but everything um, in nature still has the character of water as well, which is why the Taoist religion, for example, tells us that if we want to understand the character of God, we need to understand the character of water because the Tao that can be named is not the Tao. The God that can be named is not is not God, right? But we can name water and we can witness water and we can understand water. And the more we can do that, the more we can witness and name and understand and emulate divinity itself. So 
in terms of the, the practices of, of how we actively do that and how we can revere um, water is, you know, that's that's personal and individual for every single person. Every religious tradition has various methods of, of creating holy water and of honoring water in various ways and working it into ceremony and ritual practices. In fact, in every major religion from birth until death, holy water is used for every aspect of spiritual life, whether it's a christening or a baptism or an exorcism or, um, you know, mikvah in the, in the uh, Jewish tradition or ablutions, which in most uh, traditions are done, you know, before and after every time you have sex, before and after every time you come into a temple, every single morning when you wake up. I mean, water is the is plays such a primary role in religious and spiritual life in general. And I think, you know, at the very minimum, the most you know important thing that I would recommend that everybody take on as a spiritual practice with water is going to visit your nearest spring and going and making that pilgrimage and having that be a ritual with yourself and your family where you go to the the source point where where life is being born from the earth mm, i love that we're just uh for those listening dean and i just sitting here grinning because we're just mm -hmm. i'm just enjoying listening to this so much it's just filling my my heart and my own body of water so <laughs> so thank you um just in reflecting in that like so we live here in, in vancouver canada and uh you know, Vancouver's on the water and at sunrise and at sunset, you know, people flock to the water because that mm. it, it's so beautiful. Um, so people have that, that, uh, that admiration for the reflection, for the beauty, for the calmness that water provides, you know, there's a reason why mm -hmm. the houses that are by the water cost twice as much as the ones that are not by the water. Cause you know, it has that calming, um, you know, it might, reflect people's spiritual views and the cost of real estate but people want to be closer to water because it ultimately makes them feel mm -hmm. good you know absolutely in fact there's a whole part of psychology um it's called the blue mind effect where you know psychologists and researchers are are looking deeply into the effect that not only the sight of water but just the general proximity to water and the sound of water and even um, the artificial recreations of the movement of water like we're so patterned for water as human beings we're so patterned and programmed to seek it out and to be near it and to be calmed by it and to be soothed by it, that it's it's showing itself to be one of the most effective uh, therapeutic methods that there is, that's showing itself to be one of the, the most um, fail-safe, proven ways to create more brainwave coherence, to create more, you know, alpha-relaxed um, brainwave states, and to really um, just facilitate more, more peace. And the farther you are from water, the farther you are from nature in general, you know, the more anxiety you're going to have in your life. That's just kind of a fact of life. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like there's when when we first started like getting into it and looking at all the intricacies of water and then there was all of these moments where it was like, oh, it's so obvious like mm -hmm. you have a stressful day and you know, people want to like I just need I just want to like take a shower or like have a bath and they're like mm -hmm. how water plays such an instrumental role in just like feeling cleansed or calm or part of that routine or ritual or starting your day with like a shower mm -hmm. or a cold shower for some people or an ice ice plunge or cold plunge or whatever and just like it is maybe temperature but it's also that ritual act of like getting in there and then we're running along and talking and saying like yeah just like the desire to go on vacation somewhere like 
to the beach and is it like is it the sunshine palm trees but like it's that sense that there's that that call in us like back to the water or like back to source and I just love the way you like unpack some of those like creation stories and and how water is ubiquitous in all of them and how beautiful Mm -hmm. that is as a reminder of like regardless of what you believe or regardless of your your spiritual inclinations to like look across the board and say from culture to culture you know group to group religion to religion water is like so central it's like kind of that like flag waving like there's something here there's something to it right (laughs) yeah yeah well it was certainly something that all of our ancestors tried their best to pass down you know there's there's not much that can survive you know, 200,000 years of oral lineage, but the fact that water is sentient and water is alive and water is is the mother and water is the source has survived throughout every culture and all of those teachings. And, and yeah, we got to get back to the source. We got to get back to that relationship because where else in your life is there just this unconditionally loving embrace that no matter who you are, are and what you've done it accepts you and it welcomes you in and it and it cleanses you and it meets you at a spirit level and can cleanse you at that spirit level you know we wish our human relationships were like that but again water just teaches us with her her infinitely merciful and loving character Mm. and even that idea of like return i love the language you return you use like return and rebuild that relationship like i'd love to know Mm -hmm. maybe uh, some steps that you could offer some things that you could offer for someone listening of like okay how do i reconnect or like rebuild a relationship with water but even just Mm -hmm. to pause before we go there and say like the return and not remember but just recall the fact that like before we were born like we Mm -hmm. literally were surrounded and breathed water like it was that amniotic mm-hmm. fluid that is maybe a, a form of like structured water for sure. But like in yeah. utero, we were like aquatic beings pretty much. And then it's like once we are born, we breathe our first breath. But like that mm-hmm. return is like it's that's how we were first formed is like within water itself. So I don't know, maybe you can speak to that idea Absolutely. of like returning. What are some practices or yeah, primarily, first and foremost, we are aqua sapiens. We are water-based beings. We spent our first month as fish in an ocean. Amniotic fluid has exactly the same mineral profile as the ocean does. And so, you know, even now, the only reason why we're able to walk on land is because our ancestors learned how to carry the oceans within themselves as their own veins. Even now, our blood plasma mirrors the mineral ratios of marine plasma almost identically, you know, with just a, a slight differences in, the, in some, you know, protein anions and that kind of thing. But in terms of the mineral ratios, and actually that's a, that's a little bit of a tangent, but that's a direct biomarker of health. How closely does your, does your blood actually mirror the mineral ratios of water during the Cambrian period when vertebrae first left and carry the oceans within themselves, the more it deviates from that oceanic mineral profile, the more we see disease states beginning to develop. So yeah, returning to that oceanic state is, is absolutely, you know, fundamental to not only our physical health, but our, our mental and emotional health. And it really is, um, a relationship and it doesn't have to be for everyone. I know there's going to be people who hear this and, and, and it just sounds really woo and they just want the steps to make their crappy tap water turn into spring water. So it's more hydrating and cool. I'll meet you there. But for people who, who want to go into, into the woo a little bit more, you know, water is sentient water is conscious 
most water is comatose and sleepy and dormant. And so she's not really paying that much attention. She's not forming as many um, memories. She's not channeling as much energy, but she absolutely has the capacity to. And when you start awakening water in that way, there really, it really becomes this, this dynamic interplay where you start to recognize why so many um, ancient cultures had uh, water divination practices that they called hydromancy. So that's one way that people can start to establish a reciprocal communion with waters through practices of hydromancy. Um, another is, you know, through um, through prayer practices and really just meditating with water, meditating with the sound of water, gazing into water. You know, most people don't realize the way that Nostradamus actually got all of his uh, predictions and he predicted with almost utter accuracy, everything that would happen in the 20th century. He got all of those predictions by staring into a bowl full of water. You know, the, the Kogi people of Colombia, they have one of the most beautifully intact um, water uh, cosmologies <clears throat> And um, they have a practice of consulting water by dropping beads into a gourd full of water and reading the way that those bubbles come up from the water. And based on the way the bubbles rise, the water speaks to them and answers their questions. And in the Celtic tradition, you know, there were different practices of, you know, placing a piece of fabric on the water that belonged to someone that was a piece of their clothing called a clutie. And um, based on whether it it sank or rose or or how it swirled or something like that, I would tell them things. And, you know, a lot of people might think that kind of thing is superstition. But again, when you see it cross-culturally through every single culture throughout time, and then you start to look at the modern scientific findings about the consciousness of water and about water's uh, sentience, then, you know, it starts to actually hold a lot more weight. So, there are a lot of ways to get into it. I actually teach um, a whole, well, I have a, a year-long water membership um, community. It's called the Daily Drip. And every single month, we look at a different theme of water. So, you know, January, it's hydration. Uh, February, though, is communion. February is all about how to establish that connection, how to recognize and and, and uh, start communicating with water as a being. And um, we have we teach all of those um, hydromancy practices and a lot of other methods, um, you know, so that that would be, I think, a good way to start getting involved. Also, if people don't want to do it in the daily drip, I have that workbook available. You can just get the water communion workbook, and then that'll take you through the practices as well. Amazing. So amazing. Um, there's so many tangents that I that you've touched on that I'd like to go in all of these, you know, these rivers of directions. Uh, can you can we kind of touch on how water holds memory? That was one mm -hmm. of the things that really blew my mind. Um you know, starting with some of Veda Austin's images, um, and and even just like, you know, we've got these we've got these blue water bottles here that have different images on them, and you know, bring intention into our water. But can you can you talk on a, a micro and macro level how water has the capacity to hold memory? Yeah, for sure. So, um, in a lot of um, ancient practices, water was known as the sensitive chaos, das sensible chaos, um, as Theodore Schwenk called it, he was one of my favorite water researchers. And, and basically that's referring to the fact that because there is so much dynamism, there's so much versatility in the molecular arrangements of water, and of course, you know, we see that she's the most dynamic and versatile thing in, in general. She's the only thing on the planet that can be in all three phases at the same time, solid, liquid, and gas. She's the only thing on the planet. I mean, even off planet, you know, she 
there's so many more phases of water. There's like super ionic amorphous ice and all of these other things. Like she's so dynamic and constantly changing and responding to the environment. And we see that on a molecular level as well. So she's considered to be the sensory organ of the universe. This the way that nature senses and feels and perceives because she is acutely aware and and responsive to um, visual stimuli, auditory stimuli, electromagnetic stimuli, um, even even um, scent. Literally everything affects and impacts water. And there have been numerous researchers, actually, you know, um, Dr. Emoto is really famous for having done this, but there have actually been so many researchers who have, have shown um, how sensitive water is to various stimuli. There were some Russian researchers, however, who found that the thing that affects water more than anything else, more than electromagnetism, more than light vibration, more than anything else, is actually human emotion. And that's because of resonance. We are bodies of water, 70% water by volume, but 99.95% water molecularly. It's not just that our body uses water, it's that our bodies are water. And so when our body water resonates with a certain vibratory frequency through our emotions and, and through our thoughts, it, it definitely impacts the water because water water's molecular structure um, imprints and reflects whatever it's receiving, right? So uh, for example, there was a water researcher named Dr. Rustam Roy who said that water's molecular structure can be likened to the alphabet. Um, and, you know, normally most water, which is bulk and unstructured, and the hydrogen bonds between the H2O, they're forming and breaking apart billions of times per second. There's no time for those hydrogens to snuggle up and talk to each other and communicate with one another and transfer information and form into uh, molecular geometries, sacred geometries and patterns, because they're just bouncing around, right? But when you're talking about coherent water, then we're talking about, you know, rather than alphabet soup, it's like the same 26 letters of the alphabet can hold all of the sonnets of Shakespeare and all of the great works of literature ever written. And you can express anything and everything just about, I mean, they're, we're not going to get into what languages and isn't capable of, but like in general, it can hold so much, right? So, um, and it's the same with water, like water's molecular structure and hold so much because she encodes all of that information in uh, geometric arrangements. And then those hydrogens are able to communicate with one another and pass energy, pass information between one another. And, you know, there are, I, I like to think of it as like, um, relationships in a community. So the hydrogen bonds might form like um, van der Waals bonds or or electrostatic bonds, or there are some other theoretical bonds, but each of these different kinds of bonds that the hydrogen makes, that's like the difference between a, a friendship or, or a romantic relationship or a family dynamic. And, and ultimately when you have bulk water, there's such individualism that there's no coherence, there's no community, but just like we need community to be healthy, water also needs community to be healthy. And when that happens, um, she's capable of what Dr. May Wan Ho calls quantum coherence. And quantum coherence is the ability of 
anything made of of multiple parts to act dynamically as one unit like your body for example you are innumerable cells and organs and tissues and fibers but your whole body acts coherently all as one dynamic unit because you the body water within you has quantum coherence right or you could think of it for example as you know um uh, not quantum coherence, but coherence in general would be like all of the threads in a fabric, which might just be a tangle on the floor, but when they're woven together with a specific geometry, then the fabric acts together as one unit. And so when these water molecules come together with a specific geometry, water becomes alive, water becomes intelligent, water becomes responsive. And it's believed that water actually holds all of the memory dating back to the very beginning of the universe not just for not just backwards in time but also forwards in time as well that water is potentially the one thing that exists equally in every single dimension and has trans-dimensional access in fact we can see this in some of the studies um, on the the quantum tunneling state of water Researchers at the Oak Ridge National Laboratory showed that in the quantum tunneling state, water uh, has the capacity, a single water molecule has the capacity to occupy multiple locations in space at the time at the same time. So it can bilocate and it can sextilocate, or a single water molecule can pass through solid walls. Like we are only just beginning to scratch the surface of what water is actually capable of. But what we do know for sure at an at an absolute minimum is that water itself very well may be the memory of the earth in physical form and that the counterpart of water or or what i consider to be the mind of water because just like us as bodies of water we have a mind body and spirit water also has a mind body and spirit and her mind is actually what some refer to as the ether or the akashic field or um you know the quantum field or or the the source field it's gone by so many names in so many different cultures but basically the akashic records where all memory is stored and that water at any time can tap into that and you know it's one of the reasons why these water divination practices work because water can tap into all of that information memory forwards and memory backwards in time but it's also why in some laboratories for example water is being used to um, predict sunspot activity or predict earthquakes days and even weeks in advance. Um, so I, this is an exact, uh, this is tangential from your question you asked specifically about memory, but it's, yeah, it goes both ways, what memory forwards and backwards. Wow. <laughs> that's, uh, that's incredible. Like to think that the, the ability, the pen potential uh, for us to, in the next, you know, not so distant future to, to really make uh, large not discoveries, but like uncoveries of like what has already been there mm -hmm. and what has already been going on. I mean, I, I'm so fascinated by like the the quantum field and anything, you know, the, the different the different ways that quantum physics is showing up and really, in some ways, illuminating so much that is new, but also really, really just highlighting things and wisdom that has been around for forever. Mm -hmm. And now we can start yeah. to say like through observable measurable data we can say yes this this is actually the case so i find it mm -hmm. uh, so fascinating to see like that there's a whole quantum kind of study of water and i know you have uh, you have an amazing youtube channel um that people can find just by googling isabel friend youtube uh, water is life and you have a whole i think it's like an hour-long conversation on on kind of like the 
how water in the quantum space and um, definitely worth worth checking out. But it's just fascinating to me. And I, I'm so excited to see like what <laughs> what will come of this and to the point of like what will become normalized for us as just everyday citizens who go about their day mm-hmm. and maybe like stop in at the convenience store and grab a plastic bottle of water. Like how will our lives mm-hmm. change when we start to see you know, water showing up in these, in these, what we would might say now is like kind of radical ways, but understanding like this is actually a gateway to, to so much more than just hydration. Totally. Well, I can tell you a couple ways that people can start to implement those kind of findings about water right away in their lives. Um, the first would be, well, okay. So in general, you know, if you're going to bring water back to life from a dormant state, there's a six step process. I teach, I teach a course called navigating the waters. It's a quick, like seven day e-course. It's only $33. It walks you through all the steps. So, um, we can go over those steps later on if you want, but I'm just going to highlight like a, a, a facet of one of them, which would be, um, balance. So the steps are, um, forage, filter, structure, balance, energize, and free. So it's a six-step process. And then within that balance category, we're looking at, you know, is water uh, eating properly? Does she have enough minerals and electrolytes? We're looking at, um, is water breathing properly? You know, is she, is she exchanging gases like oxygen and carbonic acid, um, and, and factors like that. Fundamentally water has all of the same needs that we have, you know, to eat, to breathe, to have community, to move all of these things. So we're going to look at real quick water, water's breath. Now we know from the science of yoga that, um, our, our own breath can tap us into quantum states of consciousness where we can access, you know, transdimensional realms. And the same is true with water, especially when she is suffused with excess molecular hydrogen. Now, I don't want people to confuse this with things like Kangen machines, which I do not recommend, um, or other, you know, water ionizers uh, like that. But there are much more sustainable and healthy ways to suffuse your water with molecular hydrogen. I have a couple on my shop, waterslife.shop. One's called the Lord's Hydrofix. The other one is called the Spring Aqua uh, Wet 7. But basically what happens when you suffuse your water with uh, molecular hydrogen is, and, and we see this at all of the most healing springs in the world, like Bernadette's Grotto in Lourdes, France, where, you know, people have witnessed the Mother Mary coming down or um, Tlacote, Mexico, there's a spring there where pilgrims come and they also get healed from in, in intense medical conditions, just like in Lourdes and people have witnessed Christ there. And then there's another spring in Nadana. India where people have come and they've gotten healed of all kinds of really intense maladies and uh, Hindu gods have been witnessed there. And you see this in many places in the world that the most sacred springs that are the most healing and, and the most medicinal, they among many other qualities, they also have the highest levels of hydrogen and that these are the springs where, where saints and sages are usually cited. And so Personally, I see hydrogen as being the spirit of water. And when you suffuse water with more spirit, she can conduct so much more energy. And literally, it's hydroelectric energy that your cells, through a quantum process, they turn this into water. They turn this into ATP. And ATP is what structures your intracellular fluid, giving your cells more voltage. So it's not that ATP is an energy molecule and it, it fundamentally has more energy. It's that it actually structures the fluid in your cells, the water in your cells. And that's what gives your cells more energy. So um, 
it's actually a process of, of hydrogen through which you create ATP. It's hydroelectric energy. There was a Nobel laureate named um, Dr. Albert St. Georgie who said that hydrogen is the fuel of life, the fuel of life. Now, if we look at the manifest universe, the visible universe, right, then uh, hydrogen makes up about 75% of the entire universe. Pretty important, right? But if we look at the unmanifest universe of which, I mean, if you look at the universe as a whole, what we can see, what is in the visible spectrum are manifest, what we call manifest reality. That's only 5%. (laughs) That's only 5%. The other 95% is unseen and it's comprised of dark matter and dark energy, right? Which together are dark fluid. There's a, a theory in physics and cosmology that say that dark matter and dark energy are the same substance. They're called dark <clears throat> dark fluid because they're very liquid-like in nature. And you can think of them as being like different phases of the same kind of water, like the difference between salt water and fresh water. Same, same, but different, right? So dark matter and dark energy, there is a, a another theory that has come out saying that actually what dark matter fundamentally is is molecular hydrogen, a form of molecular hydrogen that can't be measured in a normal way. Normally you measure hydrogen at the 21 centimeter line and and because it's like S state ionic hydrogen, it can't be measured. So um, hydrogen then, if you do the math, makes up 99% of the universe. And hydrogen, if you break it down, hydrogen means hydro, water, and gen creating. So it's the creative energy of water. So if you want to boost water with more spirit and more creative energy, suffuse it with more hydrogen. Now there have been thousands of studies done to this point on 170 different diseases showing that molecular hydrogen is the single most panacea thing other than hydration itself, of course. (laughs) Hydration is the panacea, but like hydrogen also from water is is curative and preventative for um, at least 170 diseases that have been tested so far. And I would venture to say just about everything because the more hydrogen is in your water, the more hydrating it is. Now, there are a lot of other factors of bringing your water back to life, but this is such an important one. And and so getting back to the question of, of the quantum reality, what is hydrogen fundamentally? If we're talking about protium hydrogen, deuterium hydrogen is a whole nother rabbit hole. We can we can go down there because that's a really important one too. But, but just to keep it simple, um, protium hydrogen, which is normal hydrogen, is one proton and one electron, right? But that electron, it, it's got personality. It's dancing around. It's flitting from one atom to another, from one molecule to another. It doesn't stay still. You can't measure its velocity and its point in space at the same time. It, it has a mind of its own, right? So oftentimes for just a nanosecond at a time, maybe even a picosecond, I don't know, the, the proton will be naked. It's just a naked proton with no electron, right? And this happens often with water. So what is a proton? Well, according to Nassim Haramein and other physicists, the best model that we have for what a proton actually is, is a black hole. It is a tiny little subatomic black hole. So within water, and again, this explains a lot of those transdimensional capacities, a lot of the sentience, a lot of the communication, a lot of the memory, it's opening up these portals to source through this black hole hydrogen. Now, the more molecular hydrogen is in your water, the more capacity it has 
to open up this this transdimensional transference of energy. So it's like black holes can be contained within water. We've also seen and in deep space that the only thing that can escape from black holes is water and that that might be an origin of water. And so water just seems to be this like incredibly malleable hologram through which the universe manifests as above, so below, and as within, so without. The more you look into water, the more you see that fundamental hermetic principle just echoed again and again and again and again. And water is the medium through which the universe brings that principle into being. And so, yeah, black hole hydrogen, it's its pretty crazy. But I do just want to add the small caveat, and we don't have to go deep into it. But if you're dealing with deuterium hydrogen, it's a proton and a neutron. So the neutron is stuck to the proton. It can't it can't open up in that way. It can't communicate in that way. And that's, you know, tap water is very deuterium heavy. You know, a lot of water, uh, bottled water is very deuterium heavy. Most of the water that people are drinking is, and again, there's a direct correlation with the more deuterium in your body water, direct correlation with disease, with cancer, with all kinds of things. So <clears throat> deep tangent, but yeah, that's one of the ways that you can, um, that you can kind of access these, these uh, quantum energies through water. And then the second that I was going to break up before I lose it is um, there's some really incredible work being done right now by Dal Zantiga and his team of researchers. They're actually using the laboratory of um, Dr. Fritz Albert Popp, who again was another Nobel Prize winner uh, who studied biophoton radiation. And so um, Dr. Uh, not Dr. Uh, Dolph Zantiga now is studying biophoton radiation in water. <clears throat> And how water not only needs to be coherent in terms of being structured, we already talked about that a little bit, but also that water needs to be full spectrum, meaning it needs to have a broad range of vibratory frequencies at its disposal. So you think about in nature, water normally would be exposed to the um, the frequency of the Schumann resonance and geomagnetic radiation from rock formations and the sound of birds and the sound of wind rustling in the trees and the light from the moon throughout all of its phases and, you know, all of these frequencies, these light signatures, basically water has a very special relationship with light. And again, this is getting back to some of those origin stories we were talking about before that when water reacts with light in certain ways, it has a very creative, dynamic, creative properties that emerge from it. And so what they're finding is that when they use full spectrum water, by which I mean water with um, enough structure that it has a coherent matrix that can hold energy and then full spectrum, meaning that it has a broad range of, of frequencies, a, a broad bandwidth of, of the light spectrum within it, it has incredibly creative capacities for biological life. So I mean, it, it's amazing because you're, you're literally bringing in biophotonic energy. Water in general is, is full of photons. Now, photon is a type of boson, and a boson is an interface with the quantum field, right? So light is bringing in information from the quantum field. That's part of what it does fundamentally. Now, a photon, we call it a light particle. I'm hesitant to call anything a particle, but we don't have to go into that. It's mm -hmm. another topic. But, um, but a photon basically is, a, is kind of like a measurement of light. And with every water molecule, for every one part matter, that would be the hydrogen and the oxygen, you have a trillion parts photon. One part matter, 
hydrogen and oxygen is barely matter. They're two gases that come together. Science still has no idea how these two gases even form a liquid when they come together. That's just an anomaly. Yeah. One part and then a trillion parts photons. But can the water access that light energy? Can the water access that photonic energy? That's dependent on how coherent and full spectrum it is. So what they're doing at Dolph Zantica's lab is they're creating water that has been exposed to um, all of the the cycles of of the moon and the sun and the phases of the seasons as it would be in nature. And this is the water that they're doing these studies on, incredible findings, not only um, in almost all uh, study participants, I, I think it was about 99% of the study participants. Oh, no, wait, that was a different study. Okay, so wait. Yeah, in 99% of the, of the study participants, using glycanage biomarkers, the participants showed a 1 to 12 year biological age reversal. So they they aged backwards by one to 12 years within only three months of, of drinking the water, according to these glycan age tests. In addition, another study that they did showed that within just a few minutes of drinking the water, basically immediately, you get brainwave coherence, brainwave synchronization. But what I find most interesting is, is the studies that they're doing with, uh, with agriculture and with um, crops, because... I don't know about you guys, but I'm very concerned about humanity's genetic potential and and what's being done to human genes and the the genome and all of that. And, you know, it was once believed that if you have hybridized a crop so extremely over the generations, there's not really a way to reverse that process. Like cucumbers, for example, every cucumber you have ever eaten is a female cucumber. The male cucumber was bred out of it. And it was believed you can't breed that male, you know, gender back into the species. But if you feed that cucumber plants, coherent, full spectrum water, it can revitalize its genetic potential. Just like the ancients told us in those creation stories, when water and light come together in certain ways, that is the source of life. Water literally carries the whole, the, the, the keys to our our whole genetic potential, our our genetic revitalization. Not only that, but in soil, and we all know soil is a a massive issue in in the world right now in general, if the soil has been so depleted of its microbiome that most of the diversity of the microbiome can't even be measured, like it's it's not even there anymore. It's not, not even just that it's at very low levels, but most of the strains of the bacteria that should be there are not even measurably present you feed that soil coherent full spectrum water and where did they come from they're all there now all the my, all the diversity just suddenly spontaneously generates itself now what's beautiful about that is we actually carry soil within ourselves as well within our gut microbiome within our digestive system we're basically like inside out trees that carry you know the soil within ourselves in our gut and we have these roots called microvilli that grow into the soil of our intestines and most people's microbiome is so decimated now from drinking chlorinated water that creates a genocide in your gut every time you drink it and all these other factors so you can actually restore your your microbiome through um coherent full spectrum water as well. So those are two of the ways you can start to work with some of the the quantum properties of water through light and through hydrogen. Wow. So when you expose like water, let's say unstructured 
water. You just get it from your tap and you expose it to light. Is it like sunlight allows it to get structure? Because I know like that's one of the things that we've been doing. But just how do you, you talked about like how in within the water, there's the the the, the particles or the atoms of, of elements of hydrogen and oxygen. And then there's the trillion photons and we want we want to like wake those up we want to create those mm-hmm. to be like part of the water so it's like fully full spectrum so what's the best way mm-hmm. like is that by is that by taking that water and like how can we basically make those photons full spectrum to, just to add yeah. on to that could you can you define structured water and coherent water for those that maybe haven't heard those terms before i think it might be helpful for just the the whole yeah. lens of this conversation yeah, for sure. Actually, I, I probably should have mentioned that first. Um, so coherent water is water whose uh, molecules are in a formation. And because they're in a formation, they can store information. So actually, you know, just like a, a crystal, you know, anything that's a, a crystal is something whose constituents are in an organized repeating pattern. Crystals can um, receive, transduce, amplify, and transmit and store energy, information, and frequency. That's not a new age thing to say. It's why we use crystals and watches and computers. You know, they have these piezoelectric properties. It's it's just what they do. Water, likewise, can have this uh, crystalline state. It's called the fourth phase of water. It's actually not a phase. It's an allotrope. Um, It's also been called coherent water or crystalline water. And it also can receive, store, amplify, transduce, and transmit energy, vibration, and frequency. So rather than normal water that most people know where there's no coherence, the molecules are forming and breaking apart billions of times per second, this water, there's, there's stability in the molecular matrix. So how do we create that structure or that coherence? Like, I think just to segue a little bit into like the practical steps for those listening, Mm -hmm. um, I've heard you talk about the age of dehydration and and what does ultimate hydration look like? Maybe this would be a a nice time to go through those, those six steps that you, you teach the practices to, 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 to forge, filter, structure, balance. Uh, maybe we can go through those phases. So for those listening, they can have a practical takeaway to take to their own water practices and and um, how to structure your water. I know that's one of your steps. So maybe um, if if you can, we can go through those those steps and how we can bring this into our own practice. Yeah, for sure. Okay, so I'm going to address the first question first, and then I'm going to get to that one. Yes, thank that one you. Alone. Thank you. We're so we're so excited. So our our questions are all over the map. So thank you for. For playing with us and all all of these different uh, ways that water fascinates us. (laughs) Water is all over the map. There are just a a million different tangents we could go down. I'm so happy to to share them and explore them all with you. So when it comes to coherent full-spectrum water, it's really kind of, there's a lot of overlap, but I consider it to be two distinct facets. So you asked if putting water in the sunshine can structure it. Or make it full spectrum. And I would say yes and no. So all radiant energy has the capacity to structure water, right? Or or rather to affect water's structure in some way, whether it's cohering or, or incoherent. With the sun, solar energy actually, because it is, it 
because it's so warming and heat actually loosens molecular bonds, if you leave your water in the sun for quite a while, yes, it will receive some energy, some solar energy, but it might not strengthen the molecular bonds because think about it, as water cools down, its molecules get closer and closer and closer until they're super tight together, then they're like ice. And as water warms up, the molecules get farther and farther and farther apart until it's like steam. So the more that you warm water, the less um, um, tight those those molecular pairings are going to be. So if you want to put solar energy in your water, I would recommend one of two things. Either make a Soleil solution, which is a super saturated salt solution, um, and then leave that in the sunshine and then put some drops of that in your water and you'll get solar energy in your water without having to put your drinking water in the sunshine. Or put your water in the sunshine first thing in the morning when there are, you know, it, it's a little bit cooler. And also, you know, you get a more broad spectrum of the UVA and the UVB, or you can do it in the evening because you get that UVA, UVB. Again, it's about the spectrum. You know, if you do it in, in broad day, you're only getting that, you know, one or two bandwidths of, of solar light. Whereas, you know, different times of day, you get a more full spectrum. And it really is about that that diversity of different energetic imprints in the water. You know, you might also want to put the water on the earth and then that way it gets the, the Schumann resonance and it can, you know, ground a little bit or put it in the moonlight. Victor Schauberger talked a lot about the fact that uh, sunlight creates what he called lazy water um, because it's just, it kind of just gets a little sleepier and a little slower. It has less carrying capacity during the daytime if you studied the flow of rivers and their carrying capacity, for example. But um, in the in the moonlight, water has a lot more carrying capacity. She just tends to get a lot more energized and to prefer moonlight quite a lot more. So I hope that answers that question. And then for the other question, the steps, forage, uh, and again, I teach all of these steps very in-depth and the science behind them if people want to dive in deeper on the Navigating the Waters e-course or, um, yeah, I have a workbook about it as well. And all of that is at waterslife.academy. Um, but to kind of go over them uh, briefly for people, forage, of course, is going out and finding your local spring. If you take nothing away from this whole podcast, please let it be. Go and find your nearest spring. It is it's such an important um, pilgrimage and practice, and it really is transformational and it's absolutely worth it. So you can go to findaspring.com to find your nearest spring. And then in cases where that is absolutely not feasible for you, um, then the next steps are what you would do to bring your water back to life again. So you could take tap water, filtered water, um, or rather tap water, reverse osmosis, distilled, uh, bottled water, all of these different kinds of waters, they have very different effects on our physiology and our psychology. Just because it's all clear liquid does not mean it is all the same. You might not necessarily be able to see the difference, but your body can definitely feel the difference in, in how hydrating it is, how bioavailable it is, how much energy is in it. You know, um, so the first step would be filter. And this step, of course, is important because if you don't get a filter, your body becomes the filter. And, you know, nowadays, most water is, is sadly, it, it's, it's toxic as it's a carrier of so many toxins and, um, and, it, and it breaks my heart. But it's it's true. We're not going to get into all the crap that's in the water right now. But if you're drinking tap water, honey, please do yourself a favor and get a good filter. And I and you got to be careful with filtration because um, there's you know there's just a lot of mixed stuff on the market. So 
I have um, kind of compiled a list of all of my top filter recommendations at waterslife.shop. If you go to the filtration section, you can search by whole home or under sink or countertop. And those are the only brands uh, currently that I, that I can vouch for. Um, and I mean, not that they're the only good ones on the market, but you know, they're the ones that I, that I definitely have vetted. And um, the best one out there though, hands down, like without a doubt is called the Spring Aqua Wet 7. I am a huge fan of this. It's what I personally use. So I've been teaching these these steps, filter, structure, balance, energize. I've been teaching these for years and it was always like, oh, well, you have to take each of these steps individually or, you know, you can, there are a couple where you can do two steps at one, but it's a manual process. This is the only thing that I found, this filter is the only thing that I found that does all of those steps for you. It filters, structures, remineralizes, energizes and suffuses the water with that very magical special spirit of water molecular hydrogen so it actually was uh, created to um mimic the geology of the spring at lords france and um, that that miracle springs uh, with that healing water so the the what's inside the the spring aqua is an exact mirror of the geology there and it recreates as well as we're capable of doing lords water so filter but just be aware that a lot of filtration methods do destructure the water and they create what's called an aggressive solvent that is very hungry and it can actually leach minerals from your body. It's what uh, Victor Schauberger would have referred to as an immature water. There's also this whole life cycle of water. We won't get into that, but there's a difference between mature water and immature water, young water and old water, just like us. She has a life cycle. I have a whole YouTube video on that people can check out. But anyways, for filtration, be careful because um, reverse osmosis and distilled water they are aggressive solvents. They can lead to things like diuresis and heart disease over time. So if you need to start with that water, if that's the only filtration method that you um, have at your disposal, make sure you take these other steps afterwards. The other steps being um, the next one being structure. So filter and then structure. And there are a lot of different ways to structure water. You can structure water through flow forms or vortexes or... Um, uh, through a transference and epitaxy. Uh, um, you can structure water through, you know, very intense, coherent states of, of meditation and prayer with your water. It's just a matter of, you know, how much time and energy do you want to devote to that every day and, and how coherent can you really be with that practice um, in, in terms of like really cultivating um, brainwave synchronization and, and heart brain coherence, because that's when it really has the, the most molecular effect on the water. Um, but the, again, there are just so many different ways. And again, at waterslife.shop, there's a whole section on structuring. You can, you know, play around in there and, and pick what kind of um, appeals to you the most. You can get a whole home structure. You can get portable structures. <clears throat> in terms of portable structures, my two favorite are the Natural Action Portable Revitalizer, which is super durable. It lasts forever. It's amazingly effective. Um and also the analemma wand, um, which you immerse in the water. So one is a flow form that creates vortexes within it. And then the other is more of that epitaxy and transference method. So that's structuring. And then the next is balance. So again, you know, all of these kind of correlate to, to water's love language which is right. Like what does water need? What can we give water? How can we love her? We filter her because she needs to hydrate or she needs to, um, to have hygiene. We need to have hygiene. We need to shower. 
she needs to have hygiene and be and be filtered. Um, you know, the the structuring is we need friendships, we need relationships, we need family, we need community. It's such an important part of our health. Water also needs that structure. She needs that molecular coherence. She needs communities within within the the molecular matrices that form those sacred geometries. So then with balance, we're making sure that she's eating properly, meaning that she's, you know, eating the eating um the taking in the earth element through minerals and electrolytes. So remineralization is really important. And then we want to make sure that she's breathing properly. So in other words, that she's well aerated, exchanging gases, uh, molecular hydrogen can be a big part of that. Again, I recommend the, the spring aqua if you want to filter with it, but if you already have a filter and a way to structure, then you don't need those in the spring aqua, then you can get the Lord's hydrofix to suffuse with hydrogen. But even something like a vortex will aerate the water with oxygen. So if you if you have a vortex, a spinning vortex or a flow form, you pour the water through that portable revitalizer we just talked about, that's going to aerate the water. Dr. Tom Cowan once said that he believed that um, the dissolved gases in water would one day be shown to be as important as the liquid water itself. Like <laughs> Water needs to breathe as much as we do. And the fact that we keep water like stagnant and sitting on a shelf and cooped up in bottles where there's no exchange of gases, like it's it's literally suffocating the water. It's it's not healthy for the water at all. So then, um, so that's balance and then energize is making sure that again, because water, when it's in a formation can store information, this is determining what kind of information that water is receiving. So just like we need quality entertainment, quality education, quality uh, co communication to make sure that we are mature people. You're going to have a very different kind of, uh, you know, character and profile if you spend all day, every day from the time you're born, just, you know, watching porn and horror movies than if you, you know, read and then go to school or, you know, hang out with good people and that kind of thing. So, um, so we, whatever water is exposed to, those are those maturing elements that determine what she can deliver vibrationally to our cells. I think of it, I think of all these different kinds of these, these different vibrational frequencies as being like the, the palette of paints that water has that she can draw from when she does all of those healing things that she needs to do in our body, all of the detoxification, all of the, all of the, you know, enzymatic processes that she catalyzes all of it. Literally your body doesn't do a single thing without water. You're not watching this without water metabolism processes. You're not listening to this. You're not thinking even without water metabolism processes. Every single protein folding only folds because there are 10,000 water molecules on every single protein. Like everything your body does is because of water. How well that water is able to do those things depends on how many paints she has on her palate, how many vibrational signatures and frequencies can she draw from and bring forth in those, in those, um, actions. And so when it comes to the energized step, I have kind of two, um, methods. One is using something like an analemma wand, which will give a very broad spectrum of a very diverse profile of different energetic frequencies. And then the other one is if I just want one specific frequency, because water will become the liquid vessel of that frequency it will become the physical form of that frequency, right? And so, for example, so there also in the energize section of, of waters life.shop, you can find all of these. And I use something called an infopathy device to create infoceutical water. 
which is basically like creating a, a homeopathic remedy at home. And you can choose from any one of thousands of different frequencies. Like they've got every frequency you can imagine from literally every, any supplement that you take, they, there's a frequency for that. You can cut out hundreds of dollars from, you know, your whole foods budget every month, just, you know, getting all these supplements off your shelf and getting them into water instead, you know, vitamin, whatever, they have a frequency for that. Personally, I really love, um, there's even entheogens. There's like, um, you can, instead of microdosing, you can do like um, LSD or mushrooms or ayahuasca or any of these things just in the frequency in the water. I really love to do the frequency of oxytocin. It just creates a very like, you know, kind of loving, warm uh, feeling throughout the day. Um, I also really love, um, usually if I didn't do it today, I probably should have usually before I go on a podcast interview or something like that, I'll do like a nootropic stack in my water where I'll expose the water to like, um, you know, certain brainwave frequencies and, um, you know, lion's mane mushroom and alpha GPC and these other like, you know, cognitive stacks and that sort of thing. So that would be the energize step. And then the last step, which is embody, actually there's two more steps, but we're not going to go over the last, last one. The last one is free. Um, and that's a whole nother topic, but the last one that you, that you need to know is embody and embody is the step where you determine, and it's actually kind of the most important step, even though it's easier to look at our drinking water first. We also want to make sure we're looking at, well, can my body even absorb that water? Like are my cells primed to absorb and receive that water? And that has a lot more to do with our lifestyle practices because you can drink the best quality water in the world, but if your body can't absorb and re and retain it very well, then it really doesn't matter. It's just going to pass straight through you and you're going to pee it out. And this is the primary reason why most people are dehydrated is because all of our lifestyle factors are constantly dehydrating us in the Western world. Our diets are dehydrating us. The fact that we sit stagnant all the time is dehydrating us. Uh, coffee and alcohol and sugar are dehydrating us. Being in you know air conditioning and, and heated buildings are dehydrating us. And the number one thing that's dehydrating us more than anything is electromagnetic frequencies and EMFs. And so the one of there are a lot of different factors like circadian rhythms and grounding and being exposed to different light frequencies that all go into this embody category. Um, but the one that I see make the biggest difference for people most often is really creating a, an intelligent strategy to mitigate their EMF exposure because your body literally cannot absorb your cells cannot absorb water through that osmotic process when you're in the presence of strong man-made non-native electromagnetic fields, because that osmotic process is fundamentally an electrical process. Your electrical conductivity is exactly the same measurement as your hydration. So, yeah. Amazing. Thank you so much. Um, so just on the EMFs there, uh, we've heard all of that and, now, if we have, you know, our Wi-Fi or Bluetooth or all of the, this EMF exposure in our house, it kind of washes away all of this, all of those steps that we worked so hard to do. What are some ways that we can protect ourselves from EMF exposure and our water from EMFs? Like, does uh, mm -hmm. Shungite work or Orgon or like, what are, what are some practices that we can do to make sure if we're going through all of these steps to have, have this kind of reverence towards water? How can we protect ourselves from the EMF so that we're having that embodied experience that we're looking for? 
Mm -hmm, for sure. Yeah. There are a lot of different ways. Um, again, I have a, I'm not just trying to plug the shop here. It's not, yes, I, I the shop's amazing. Be... <laughs> I, I've spent hours just like making a wish list of like every section <laughs> of the shop. So it's, you've curated, uh, an incredible, incredible resource, um, and, you know, shopping experience of, of all of these incredible things that we're discussing. Like it's, it's incredible. It's like a museum experience <laughs> of, of what we can do with water. Thanks. Thanks. Well, there was, I, I always wanted there to be a, a resource like that. And I was like, well, you know, if it, if it doesn't exist, I'll, I'll create it because there's a lot of, you know, stuff on the market that doesn't work and it's, and it's <clears throat> promoted like all of these, you know, structured water products that actually don't work and all these EMF products actually don't work. So I was like, we just need a resource where like you can go to the site and trust what's on there. And so I've, I've tried to create that to the best of my ability. So there's a whole um, section on there that's all about EMFs and, and EMF exposure. And so there are a lot of things that you can do. There's supplements on there, like Presidium, for example, that you can take that will actually detoxify your body um, from radiation exposure. There is actually a water bottle sleeve that is made out of Faraday fabric that will protect your water bottle from, um, <clears throat> from the EMFs. There are devices that you can get that go right on your router or go on your phone or go on your computer. There, uh, there's clothing that you can wear to protect your body. There's jewelry that you can wear to protect your body. This is, this is actually another one of my favorite, favorite tools. And I don't know why I didn't bring this up during the quantum section that we were talking about, because my favorite way to infuse water with quantum energy is actually through there, are these products called quantum blocks and infinity blocks where you literally not only can they structure and energize water and infuse it with with quantum energy, um, but they also can protect your entire environment from electromagnetic field radiation. And so um, the, the studies that they're doing on this are incredible. It, it, this company has a really high level of integrity. They're working with um, doctors and universities to do all of their studies are, are third-party studies. They have some studies that are um, double-blind, placebo-controlled, randomized trials, which is the gold standard of study because they, they know, they recognize when you're talking about quantum energy, it's, it's hard to talk about that. Like it doesn't make a lot of sense. You just say, Hey, I put this cool looking thing in my room and now I'm healthier. And you just, what? You don't even plug it in. How does it work? But it does work. Um, and I can attest to that. Like I, I, I've tried just about everything there is on the market. And there are very few things that like really impress me. And this is one of the things that really impresses me. Um, so again, they have the blocks, those, those will protect from EMFs, but they also have subscriptions where you can actually subscribe to quantum energy. Um, and then that kind of creates like a, a bubble of protection around your body as well. Um, and so, yeah, there are a lot of methods for, for EMF, uh, protection, but just make sure you, you, you do something everyone, every we're living in this day and age. We can, we can no longer just kind of play, um, you know, we have to take sovereignty, you know, we have to, to take personal responsibility for, for our energy, because we are primarily not just, you know, electrochemical beings, we are electromagnetic beings, we are vibratory beings, and, and health is voltage, and voltage is hydration, and hydration is health, and they're, they're uh, things that we can leverage, and it makes the biggest difference, it really does. Yeah, 
earlier or near the beginning of the conversation, you'd, you'd mentioned like the rabbit hole of water. And I mean, I think like we, we, I definitely have, have dove deep in it, but it's, this is the kind of thing that, you know, you discover when, you know, early on Zach and I were both really interested in in nutrition and and how can we eat the best? What are, what are the best practices for ourselves, but also for the environment, the world around us, the future. And, you know, nutrition was like number one. Okay. What are we putting in our bodies to give us the best health, longevity, to feel good, be good, do good, all that. And then we switched recently to be like, man, nutrition is important, but like maybe maybe hydration and like the water we're drinking is actually the foundation in which mm-hmm. nutrition builds upon. <laughs> and it's, it's so fascinating how, how in many ways like water was kind of that key that unlocked new learnings and new ideas of like, wait, what if we just reframe things? And then so goes with like EMS and helping us to see the world around us that we've created, you know, mm-hmm. for better, or for worse, but just the state of it and saying, okay, so if hydration is key and EMFs can like get in the way of that, now we need to look into like how to take this seriously. And so we kind of joke about it being a rabbit hole, but it ultimately is in the pursuit of like, how, how can we, you know, give ourselves the best, um, optimize ourselves for the best life we could possibly have. Uh, and looking mm-hmm. around, you know, at the world we've created and say, what are some things we can do to, to mitigate against some of the, the harms and the things that are prevalent in our world. Uh, and it really takes you in places that maybe you would never have imagined, mm-hmm. but if you lead with curiosity and like an openness to, to see the beauty and the wonder that's in, you know, our daily eight cups or however many <laughs> cups people are drinking these days of water. Uh, it's so, it's just fascinating. It's fascinating yeah. the, that it's the key. It really it is, is the key to our health, to the soil's health, to the health of everything mm-hmm. around us. And we need to, we need to allow water to, to be its beautiful self and take yeah. it into ourselves. I love that. I love that. It's so true. You, you nailed it right on the head. You know, when you start seeing with the eyes of water, then everything starts making a little bit more sense, you know, and um, it really just, it, it leads you down, down rabbit holes that, um, Ultimately, I I feel like everyone who kind of goes on a water path has their own unique journey into it, you know, whether you're coming at it from like human rights or you're coming at it from drought and desertification and ecology and uh, geopolitics, or you're coming at it from like medicine and biology and biohacking or like everyone has their, their own pathway into it, but because water is the source, water always leads us to that point of unity where everything is interconnected. And so you start to see with the eyes of water, as, as we say, as as we water nerds say, you start to see with the eyes of water, you see water everywhere. And, you know, even seeing at all, every time you see, you're seeing through the prism of water itself. The lens of your eye is 99% water. You don't even see anything except through water. And, um, and I want to touch on what you said really quickly about nutrition, because that was kind of my, uh, how I got started. Like I said, I was a nutritionist when I first got started and I thought, you know, human beings, we have infinite potential. And so it must be that we are what, what we eat. Right. And so that must be how we unlock this infinite potential. But the more I study water, the more I realize, like, first of all, you don't even absorb any of the nutrients or you don't absorb, you absorb nutrients in direct proportion to your hydration. So the more dehydrated you are, it doesn't matter how, you know, expensive on organic and, and farm raised and gluten-free and all of that, your diet is, you will absorb it in proportion to your hydration because it's water that actually delivers those nutrients into your cells. And in addition, and I just learned this recently, actually, it was, this made me really excited they have done a lot of studies and I, I've, I've heard other similar studies and have like 
you know, known this from like Dr. Batman Gellage and some other doctors and, and Dr. Newday and stuff who have talked about this, but th- this one study that was like, oh, everybody needs to know this. So they did studies on animals where um, they were feeding them a really high sugar diet. And we know that excess sugar leads to excess fat storage, right? Well, in the control group, they fed the rats uh, or the, I forget if it was a rat study. When I heard about it, it was Dr. It was Professor Richard. Oh, I just read it. So I'm not remembering it. Anyways, he was from the University of Colorado and, and he just said it was an animal study. So I need to look into it to see which animals they were, they were doing this on. But anyway, they, the control group was fed a lot of sugar. And then the second group was fed a lot of sugar but was also really well hydrated. Not only did they prevent the excess fat storage from the hydrated rats, but they also prevented fatty liver disease and um, metabolic syndrome and and all of the uh, the downstream you know metabolic effects of of obesity and of of fat and fatty liver and that kind of thing, which shows that hydration itself is the prevention and the antidote to you know, metabolic syndrome or whatever wonky stuff is going on with your diet, you know, like you have a little bit of a buffer. In other words, the more hydrated you are, the more buffer you have against the inevitable toxins that are going to come through our diets just in so far as how it's kind of impossible to to avoid some poisons in in our diets nowadays. The more hydrated you are, the more buffer you have. Yeah. The standard American diet has not done us any favors, but neither has the kind of bookends of you know, coffee in the morning mm-hmm. or all day, uh, maybe uh, some sort of drink, wine, whatever cocktail you have at the end of the day to wind down. And it's yeah. just like bookended with dehydrating liquids that aren't doing mm-hmm. us any favors in addition to, you know, the foods that we're eating that may not be the best anyhow. And yeah. Oh, yeah. It's- For anybody who's looking to get off coffee, I have a, a recommendation and, um, at least for me, it's worked incredibly well. So there's something called a carbon gene, which is created by natural action. It's in the energizers section of the shop. And basically it concentrates orgone energy or etheric energy into the water and you leave it to mature overnight. It's incredibly well engineered. It looks like a simple thing when you see it, but I actually know the researchers who developed it in the lab that it came from. And I'm just like, it's just been perfected over, over many, many years. And it's so well designed with, you know, the specific geometries of the way the North and South pole magnets are placed within it. And the fact that they're asymmetrical, because if you're going to use magnets with water, they got to be asymmetrical and just it's really well designed anyways. So you leave it in the fridge overnight and the water matures and you drink a shot of that in the morning and you really only need one shot. And it's not that it gives you like buzzing energy. It's just like, oh, I have voltage. Okay, we're good to go now. That's amazing. I love, um, I saw in one of, um, um, who's the fourth phase structured? Gerald Pollock's, Gerald Pollock's, Gerald Pollock's book. Uh, there's an illustration of, uh, uh, human walking being charged, you know, us being bodies of water being charged by the the negative electrons from the earth and the positive mm-hmm. electrons from the atoms, um, just that we're kind of batteries and we're not charging ourselves properly. So yeah. just kind of remembering that we are these bodies of water and how does water get energy and bringing those into our practices. It was such a simple illustration, but I thought it was really profound and, and beautiful. Totally. Yeah, absolutely. Structured water is a fractaline antenna of a battery basically 
It is a, it is a battery. It has, you know, every water molecule is, is dipolar in nature. So it has a North pole and a South pole. And when you align the polarity of those molecules, it's the same way as, as aligning, you know, a pack of batteries, you just get so much more voltage through it. Amazing. Well, just being mindful of, of, of your time. And I know it's a, it's the moon is rising over in mm-hmm. Tulum over there. Um, First, I just wanted to express extreme gratitude. Um, I was kind of having a cheesy laugh to myself while I was listening to, you know, listening to that water holds memory and you are, you know, an expert in hydration and just being in <laughs> awe of the memory that you're able to hold. Like it's unbelievable this this knowledge that you're able to to share and just kind of grab from all these, you know, studies and, and all this knowledge that you've been able to absorb. So I'm I'm so grateful for you for being able to learn from from you and for your, for your time. Um, I am excited to continue to learn from you. Hopefully, we'll cross paths in person at some time, and we can, um, you know, take some of your courses or one of your retreats or, or whatnot. But mm-hmm. uh, you're doing amazing things, and we're so appreciative. Um, we always wrap up the podcast with with the same question, so I'll pass it over to Dean to to wrap things up, and then we'll let you go charge your your body of water and your, your glasses <laughs> of water under the moon. How did you know? <laughs> yeah. So Zach and I, um, we created this podcast because we're both just like naturally curious people, and we wanted to have conversations with people that were were inspiring us or just fueling that create creativity and curiosity that we had, and. Um, eventually as we landed on the name a little more good, we just felt like that was so reflective of what we wanted to be about in the world, just as two people and also our podcast, we wanted to, you know, have it impact people in a way that there was just more goodness spread throughout the world, whether that's learning about ways to be fit, look after the planet or be better hydrated or whatever the conversation takes shape. Um, but we always love to ask our guests is the last question is what does that phrase mean to you? What does that conjure up for you when you sit with it or think about it a little more good? A little more good. Mm. A little more good. You know, it kind of reminds me of, um, what is it? It's like the 1% rule, I think it's called, where even if you just do 1% better every single day, exponentially, that just builds on itself so much that a year later, you're practically an unrecognizable person. And um, yeah, just a little more. You don't have to pressure yourself to to be the absolute best. You just do what you can, where you are with what you have, and you do a little more good every day. I like that. I like that phrase. Amazing. Thank you, Isabel. This conversation hydrated my my soul, my curiosity, <laughs> my 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 quest and interest in water. So thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you, thank you so much for having me. It's been such a joy and an honor to come on and share with you guys. And I just so appreciate everything you're doing, the conversations that you're bringing forward to people, the blessings that you're bringing into people's ears when they listen to this. And um, yeah, thank you so much. And I would love to offer a a discount to your listeners. If they want to get any of my courses, they can get 10% off with the code a little more good. And um, yeah, definitely look forward to, like you said, maybe meeting in person sometime or or running into each other sometime. Amazing. Uh, before we let you go, for those listening, I know we gave shout out to your shop, uh, but you have uh, incredible Instagram, YouTube, and various other channels and websites. Can, can you just kind of give shout outs to all the wonderful places that pl- people can find you? 
Yeah, I'm a little bit of everywhere. So I'm most active on Instagram. That's my name at Jen Isabel Friend. The shop's Instagram is at waterislife.shop. My um, academy is waterislife.academy. My shop, as we said, is waterslife.shop. Um, my main website, kind of where all my free videos and blogs and stuff are, is waterislife.love. And you can find me on YouTube at Isabel Friend. Okay, amazing. And okay, last one. I said that was the last one. <laughs> For those that are like, okay, this has just changed my life. It's blown my mind and I really want to, you know, take some some next steps. What would be like the top five bestsellers from your website that, uh, mm. you know, there's a lot on there and it's incredible. Yeah. Um, but if people want to filter it down, what are like maybe five of your top sellers or five things that, you know, people can kind of look to first? Totally. Well, you know, it's so different for every person, depending on the water they're starting with, depending on their budget, depending on, you know, their family and their lifestyle and all of that. So I offer one-on-one -on -one consultations with people um, where we have an hour long session. We just chat, we, we look at your goals, we look at your health, we look at you just what we look at anything. If you want to talk about, you know, like um, a water's dielectric point, we'll talk about that, like whatever you want to talk about for an hour. But uh, pretty often people use it to to really create craft a hydration strategy where they know, you know, kind of what should I get and, and that kind of thing. But um, like I said, my number one recommendation is the spring aqua, because that's the thing that that is just going to do all of those steps for you filter, structure, balance, energize and molecular hydrogen. So that would be the number one. Awesome. Thank you, Isabel. Yeah. Thank you guys so much. <laughs> Have a beautiful day. Whew. So good. <laughs> Isabel friend. Right? Blew my mind. Yeah. I mean, some of the things that she said that just, you know, one little line or one anecdote or one story from a study she shared, like that could have been a whole conversation in and of itself. Like the frequency of water exposing you know uh, water to a certain frequency can have the same effect as like certain vitamins and even even drugs like yes th therapeutic drugs like that's that's crazy yeah we asked so many questions but i think i left that podcast with like twice as many questions as i yeah. started with because yeah. she'd say something and i'd be like oh okay we gotta circle back to this <laughs> but you know all all great conversations have to come to an end and, and save time for for the next one it's true so hopefully um, you found that to be very uh, inspiring. Maybe you it left you with lots of questions or things to wonder or things you wanted to explore further. Again, um, as a resource, if you go on the Instagrams and search up uh, Jen Isabel Friend, you will see her Instagram there, which is an incredible resource. She's always sharing reels and stories and all these things just continuing to put out um, the amazing you know, unique compound of water and all that it can do for us. Check out Water is Life Shop on Instagram too for all the things if you're curious about, you know, how you can level up your own water situation. Yes. And if you're curious and you want like a starting point, uh, there's a great episode on Down to Earth Season 1 with Darren Olean where they kind of explore the miraculous waters of I think it's Lourdes, Lourdes, yeah, Lourdes, Lourdes France. France, and they, they go and visit a water sommelier, um, Martin cool. or something like that. Yes. Anyways, it's it, it's fascinating. And yeah, this is 
something I didn't know I'd be obsessed with six months ago, and now I'm just like totally immersed in it and so excited about it. So if you enjoy this episode as much as we enjoyed having this conversation, uh, please share it with a friend, with a neighbor, with an uncle, auntie, grandma, grandpa, whoever, whoever you think could benefit you know, upgrading their hydration game, which I think is absolutely everybody. Yeah. Um, you know, we love we love getting reviews and feedback from all of you. Uh, you know, five stars, four stars, three stars, whatever, however many stars you're you're feeling for a little more goodies. Um, if you can throw up a review, uh, follow, like, subscribe wherever you get these podcasts, it makes a big difference in allowing us to share this message. So. Just uh, a moment of gratitude for all of you for making it this far. We appreciate you all so much, and we look forward to continuing this this path of curiosity and inquiry with all of you. Yes, yes, yes. Stay good, y'all. 